We certainly welcome you, guests, friends, family from the community, and from other places. And trust Christ will minister to us all. Again, thank you for continuing to pray for this ministry. I remind us of the importance of prayer. You've allowed us to be a part of the GPC family for these years. And now our Lord will bring in another uh, to us, uh, pastor. And I remind you that you, as a congregation, elected a very good pastoral search committee. These men and ladies have and continue to work faithfully and hard. They, at some time, as they go through the different ones who have applied, they will report back. They they will report then to your elders. Your elders will examine and spend time with the person eventually that will be recommended by your pastoral search committee. So it's your committee, then your elders, and then once the elders feel that this is the one who our Lord will bring to you, that person and family will come to you, the congregation. You will then have an opportunity to affirm or say yes or no, this is not the one. And to the one who you do feel the Lord is bringing, then that person will go before a presbytery committee. And then that person, again, approved, will go before a whole presbytery of about 100 men uh, to be examined by them. It's a long process. It's a good process, but it's long. So thank you, GPC, for your faithfulness, your patience. It takes time to do this decently and in order. Uh, So on behalf of your committee, uh, they, I continue to say, pray discernment of God's best, discerning his best to experience his best. Okay, Lord, discerning it, experiencing it with oneness, oneness. In Romans, Paul pleaded with those in Rome with one heart, one voice, one mind, mind, voice, heart, give glory to God. I remind us that Satan is as a devouring beast lion wanting to devour, wanting to bring distrust and division. It's a battle. Any decision of significance in the church, one heart, one voice, one mind, discerning his best, experiencing his best with oneness. Pray, pray. How can the young people, Honestly express their gratitude for their parents who have sacrificially gone without their, for themselves, but sacrificially have provided automobile for their children later in college or put in graduation. How can those young people say? They really appreciate mom, dad, mom, dad, dad, mom, for what you've done, the sacrifice you've made. You've gone without 
so that now as we finish college, you're helping us with this automobile. Because the parents love the young folk, their children, as they help provide this new automobile, they have rules. They have stipulations. Son, daughter, here are the rules. Obey the laws. You're not to speed. You're to obey the laws. Do you understand? We understand. And you're not to allow your friends to drive the automobile because of insurance issues. Because of insurance, they may put pressure on you. They may say, come on, let me, let me drive your car. You're to say no. Do you understand? We understand. Mom and dad not around. They drive at whatever speed they want. Totally ignore the laws. Their friends, their buddies ask to drive. Mom and dad's not around. Sure, you can drive. Are those young folk, they say, hey, We're college age. We're finishing. Mom and dad don't have the right to tell us what to do. We'll do what we want because that will bring us greater joy. We're after fun. We're after gladness. They're not around. They won't know. We'll do what we want. Is that evidence of true thankfulness? To ignore, to rebel, to go our own way? And not obey the rules. (sighs) Folk, Jonah is learning the hard way. I refresh our memories and our minds as we at GPC come together each week and for you with us today. Jonah has been used by God previously. Jonah is a prophet. Jonah is a missionary. He's a preacher. God has used him. And God says to him, uh, in essence, I want to use you again. Go to Nineveh, that city, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It is a great city, and it is evil. The atrocities, torture, cruelty, abuse, they are inflicted upon those they have captured. And they took pride in it. The people of Nineveh were proud of the cruelty they inflicted upon those they defeated. God says, go to them, Jonah. And Jonah says, no way. I don't want them to repent of their sin. I don't want them to hear. I'm paraphrasing it. You go to Jonah chapter 1. It's there. He tells us in chapter 4, he knew God was merciful. He knew God was patient. He knew God was gracious. And that's the reason he didn't want to go. He didn't want them to experience mercy and grace. In his heart, he rebelled against God and said, No, I will not obey you. I'll not trust you. I'll not find my joy in you. 
So he attempts to go as far away as possible. He goes to Tarshish. He's to go to Tarshish. He goes to Joppa, another city on the seaport, on the sea. He purchases a ticket to catch a boat to go to Tarshish. I'm going to run from God. I'm not going to listen to God. I'm going my own way. But God gets his attention. God loves him, Jonah, even in his rebellion so much that he makes life hard. And Jonah and those on the, the sailors on the boat think they're going to die by the storm that God sends. These veteran sailors realize they're at the point of death by this hurricane. You know I call it a hur- category five hurricane. It is, it's bad. They begin throwing the cargo overboard. They begin calling out to their own God. They know there's a God. They know there's a God that's in control of this storm. They start calling out to their gods. The captain goes and finds Jonah asleep, a deep sleep. See, Jonah's depressed, often a part of depression is sleeping part of it at times. Jonah must be deeply depressed, running from God. In essence, what are you doing sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Maybe your God's the real God. Wakes him up. Jonah eventually confesses, yes, my God is the true God. My God is the God who created the heavens. And this ocean, meaning he controls this hurricane, and he controls the dry land. Yes, I'm in rebellion. I'm running from God. I won't obey him. Throw me overboard. He's so depressed he wants to die. Assisted suicide. Throw me overboard, perhaps was his reason. They didn't want to throw him overboard. They are more concerned about him, these non-Christians, concerned for the Christian than the Christian is concerned for them. They are more concerned. Throw me overboard. All will be well. They don't want to. They keep trying to get to land. They're unsuccessful. They cry out to God Don't hold us guilty for what we're about to do. Don't let his blood be upon us. And they throw him overboard. And now in chapter 2, we've looked at it, but today, again, seeing its context, our focus is on verses 8 and 9. So go to 8 and 9, please, of chapter 2. He gives us, he reviews for us what happened when God threw him overboard. He says there in chapter 2, this is my prayer. This is what I prayed as I was thrown overboard, as I began sinking and sinking and sinking to the bottom, I believe, of the ocean before he was swallowed by that great fish. Look at those words In verse 1, he says, I called out to the Lord in my distress. He really was distressed. I called out, and you answered me. I'm in the very 
belly of Sheol, the very belly of death. I cried and you heard me. I love verse 3. You, God, cast me into the deep. Who threw him overboard? The sailors did. But Jonah knew they were doing what God directed. And so Jonah says to God, you threw me overboard. I was thrown into the sea. The flood is surrounding me. All your waves, oh God, your billows, you threw me overboard. This water, these billows, this hurricane is all about you. Do you love his understanding of the sovereignty of God? Verse 4, I'm driven away. God, where are you? You don't even see me anymore. So I'm sinking to the bottom. But I'm going to see you again. In the resurrection, Jonah is privileged to look ahead to the one who is promised, Jesus Christ. Remember, those of the Old Testament, they look forward to the coming of the Savior. They look forward to the promised one, the Messiah, the Savior. We look back to the coming of the one who came, Jesus Christ. Same way of salvation, only one way to be saved and brought into the family. For them of the Old Testament, by faith, they look forward to him coming. If you're in the family, you must look back to the one who came. Oh, Father, look, look at verse 5. The waters are closing, closing over me. They're about to take my life. I'm, I'm drowning this death. I'm surrounded. Is he sinking weeds? Weeds are around his head. He's at the very bottom. He's at the roots of the mountain, he tells us. I'm going down. I'm going down into this pit. I'm fainting. Slowly drowning to death. And now he's awakened spiritually to what he's doing. God is changing him. And our focus today is on verses 8 and 9. Look what he says. Verse 8. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Look at verse, look at verse 9. With the voice of thanksgiving, I'm going to sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Lord, you've awakened me. I see that there is no joy. 
in disobedience. So, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. I thank you for sending that big fish to swallow me, letting me stay within him for three days and three nights, and then to vomit me up on the dry land. Chapter 3, verse 1, forgiving me a second chance. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Jonah, I'm going to use you. This is what he says. Jonah is appreciative. He's grateful for what God is doing. And now he's going to show his appreciation by obedience for salvation. Do you see that? That's what he said. Lord, I'm going to thank you. I'm going to praise you. You have saved me. And I'm going to show you my thankfulness by obeying you. Now I'm going to pay my vows to you. Now I'm going to fulfill what I told you I would do earlier and then disobeyed you. Do you see that? How do you show appreciation to Jesus Christ if you're in his family? As he said, salvation is of the Lord. How do you show it? How do you live it out? By obeying him. We do not obey him in order to become into the family. It's not through the law are we saved. But if you're really in the family, you will want to obey him. We can never be good enough to enter the family. To enter in the family, the Holy Spirit must work in you repentance. A repentance. A turning from your own way to the way of Christ. Repentance. Secondly, a faith in Christ and Christ alone for your acceptance. Faith in Christ. So listen, it's not enough just to say you're thankful for Christ. You're to say that. But does your life show that you're thankful? Are you living out to the best of, the ho- of your ability to now live out? Again, the students who say, we appreciate, mom, dad, what you've done for us. We appreciate this car. But then ignore what they say. They're not appreciative. That one statement is full of meaning. Salvation is of the Lord. You see that up there. Salvation is of the Lord. What is salvation? What is salvation? Salvation is from and to. If you're truly saved, experiencing salvation, you're saved from what? From the penalty of sin. The guilt 
no longer living in Satan's family. Folk, all of us are living in either the family of Satan, we're born into his family, or you're living in the family of God through Christ. You're one or the other. And salvation is being now saved from Satan's family, the guilt and penalty of your sins, and you're saved unto adoption into God's family. Saved from, saved unto. Part of salvation, of what Jonah is saying, salvation is of the Lord. It's big. It encompasses a lot to be saved, to experience salvation. It's a big word, past, present, future. But just one part of that, one part of salvation is in the Bible called justification. For all who are in salvation in Christ, part of that is justification. I want us to see that word and its meaning biblically. I want us to see what justification is. We have what is called, we have catechisms and we have confession of faith. Each Sunday morning, we with our children get to learn more, more of Christ through what we call the catechism. The catechism, a larger version of that, is called confession of faith. Here's a wonderful definition of what it means to be justified before God. This is what it means, part of salvation. Hopefully, this will make us want to shout and sing, obey out of gratitude. What is justification? First, it's an act of God's free grace. It's God taking the initiative. It's God acting, doing something, and it's free. It cost him much. It cost him his son, Jesus Christ. But for us, it's free. It's experiencing his grace. What is his grace? Him treating us as we do not deserve. That's grace, God treating us, welcoming us as sons and daughters into his family. We don't deserve that. Jonah did not deserve a second chance, neither do we. He did not earn God's favor, neither can we. So justification is that act of God's free grace. What does he do? Pardons. Pardons all of your sins. What's a pardon? What's a pardon? A pardon is when the guilty prisoner found guilty by the court, rightfully sent to prison, and legally 
the person is pardoned if they are, means you're free. You can leave. And you're now treated as one who has never, ever committed a crime. Pardoned. Folk, that should make us want to shout and obey. If you're in Christ, if Christ is in you, you're pardoned. The guilt that you and I deserve, pardoned. You're now free not to go your own way, but to now live in obedience to Christ out of gratitude. No longer a slave to sin, but now a slave to righteousness. Where you're eager to obey. Struggle, yes. Is it a battle every day? Pardon. That's what Christ does.